Hey, I'm Ferdinand, and thanks for checking out the message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text RiverConnect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Merry Christmas. Man, it's, I can't believe we're here, but we are. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, maybe a family here. I just love this season. It's a great time. I'm kind of wishing we still had a white Christmas, but it's okay. I've been here about 20 years now, and I think this is the first one. I could probably count on one hand how many brown Christmases I've had in 20 years, but I'm a California boy. If you don't know me, I'm from California. I moved here 20 years ago, so I like the snow. Everybody's like, you're crazy. Well, I am a little bit of that too. Um, But the reality is some of us probably have some traditions that we're doing today and maybe tomorrow, different things you do as a family. And I thought it might be nice to start off the message this morning with the Christmas story. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2 to hear what exactly we are celebrating. So Luke 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Practical response. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, angels, they're all probably somewhere in your house in a nativity scene on some shelf or on a piano or whatever that place is for a nativity scene. I remember in 2019, Jean and I had the opportunity to be in Bethlehem right before all the madness happened, um, in Bethlehem in Israel in December. And we got to go and see the place where Jesus was born. And we got to go to the shepherd's field. And I remembered looking in that sky. I looked over at Jeannie. I looked up at the sky and I said, can you see him? It was just so surreal to be in the spot where the shepherds that this happened to, to be able to look in the very same skyline, the very same just 
sky itself where these angels appeared to these shepherds. This Christmas season here at the river, we've been looking at a prophecy about this baby born in a manger, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it's in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. The verses will be on the screen behind me. I'm going to start in verse 2, actually. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff before his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And we focus on verse 6 and these names that were given to the child that would be born as, as the Messiah. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. And there were expectations attached to this prophecy. We read those first five verses. You're like, why does it sound like war? Well, because the people of Israel were waiting for the Messiah to come to get rid of their oppressors, to be able to be free in their land. And in Jesus' day, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people were waiting for God to send the Messiah to get Rome out of their land, for them to stop being oppressed any longer. Messiah would come. And he would save them from oppression, but not the oppression that they thought that they would be saved from. Something so much deeper and so much worse than Rome ever was. Mary even had expectations about the last week, uh, or about her life. Mary had expectations about her life, about how things would go, about her marriage with Joseph would probably go. And then an angel shows up and says, this is, it's not going to happen the way you thought. It's not going to happen the way you thought. God had a different plan and the baby that she was expecting would change the course of human history, change the life of Mary, and also change our lives today. See, we all come to Christmas with expectations. Everybody in this room has expectations. What you're going to do after this gathering, what you're going to do tonight, what you're going to do tomorrow. Some of us have good expectations. Some of us expect to open presents tonight. Anybody doing that tonight? Anybody? Presents tonight? There's a few. There's a few. The kids are all like, yes, let's go! Um, but as some of us, maybe we expect Christmas to be harder than any other Christmas we've ever had because of who's not here or what hasn't happened. See, we all have expectations. And our expectations, our expectations can be a great picture, a great window into where our hope actually lies. Our expectations can be a window into where our hope actually lies. And whether our expectation is more temporary or more lasting, that's where we find out where our hope is. See, the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, they had expectations too. These shepherds in Luke 2 had expectations that their life would probably continue the way that it had always been. See, these shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were the lowest of society, the bottom of the totem pole. Everybody looked at shepherds and like, ah, it's the shepherds. We can't even trust them either. 
They had no standing in society and people looked down on them. I mean, they were spending their night with sheep. So how do you think they smelled? Probably not great. Probably not great. I'm a city boy, so I don't even know what that smells like. Some of you in the country, you know exactly what that smells like. These shepherds were the outcasts of society. The outcasts of society. Can you imagine the night that Jesus was born for these shepherds if you were able to put yourself on their skin? See, I think sometimes we can look at this story and we read these verses and we're like, oh, you know, it's cool. But I like to really take a look at it and really try to put myself in their shoes. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be those shepherds? It's just a normal night. It's cold. Yes, in Jerusalem it gets cold, and around Jerusalem, Nazareth, or I'm sorry, Bethlehem is maybe 20 minutes away from Jerusalem. You can even see some of Jerusalem from, from the hills of Bethlehem. And in reality, it gets cold at night. It may be the desert, but it gets cold at night. And so they're just huddled together. They're not doing the best work in society. But the reality is these shepherds, even though they were out in the field, they would still know who this Messiah would be. They would know the longing for this Messiah because they were Israelites too. They were oppressed like everybody else. They would have been taught at a young age about this prophecy, that they'd be delivered, and that would only grow as Rome came. They would be waiting for their coming king. And on this night of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, the shepherds probably stood over their flocks in the quiet fields, they were probably dressed in simple working men's garments, gazing up at the starlit sky, tending to their sheep, a life of solitude and reflecting. And maybe these shepherds were leaning on their staffs. They're pondering the ancient prophecies of the Messiah. Little did they know that that very night, that prophecy would be fulfilled. So no matter what their expectations were for that night, their lives were changed in an instant for all of eternity. And it's so, I love the fact that this declaration, the announcement of the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who, that nothing was made that has been made. He created the universe. He has come to earth. And who is it announced to? It wasn't to kings. It wasn't to political leaders. It wasn't to religious leaders. It wasn't to anybody of anybody of any importance at all. It was to the most low of the low, the shepherds. And let me tell you this morning, I don't care how low you may feel today, Jesus has come for you. And the announcement is for you today. For to us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that announcement comes to you today. It comes to all of us. These angels announced it. And they would have been longing for that prophecy. They would have made the connection. And they would be like, wait, I know these words. I, I know these are the words we've been waiting for. Why are these angels speaking to us? There's going to be peace? Really? There's going to be peace. One of the names of Christ, the last name in Isaiah 9, 6, is he is our prince of peace. Peace sounds great today, doesn't it? In a world that is altogether lacking peace. Then again, how do we define peace today? Is it quiet? Is it calm? Is it love amongst people? Is it just being nice to one another? Is it family getting along? Governments not fighting? The absence of war or conflict? Rainbows and unicorns possibly? How do we define peace? We have to determine that to know what Jesus actually is and what God is talking about here. 
The reality is this Prince of Peace brings something so much deeper to us. This child born for us brings us something so much more valuable than our measly definitions of what peace is. Because this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of, pre, of peace brings to us an offer of restoration to what we were made for. Because we were made to live lives in perfect completion with our God. That's what we were made for. But that has been tarnished, it has been broken, it has been marred by sin. By our choice to do things our own way. Sin has broken you, sin has broken me, and sin has broken our world around us. I don't think we have to watch the news very long to see that we live in a broken world. It's deep, it's dark, and it's all-encompassing. We hear wars all over the world, innocent people dying in those wars, child trafficking, slavery, oppression. We have broken families, broken marriages, fathers and mothers that don't act like they're supposed to act, children that struggle and they push their family away, financial struggles, regret, pain, health issues, loved ones that have passed away for many of us all too soon and some way too soon. Our world is broken. I'm broken and you're broken. And the shepherds knew that the world was broken. Their nation had been oppressed for way too long. When would God fulfill this promise? When will God step in and heal our brokenness today? Maybe you've had that question. I have that question sometimes. God, when, when are you going to step in? When are you going to be this prince of peace that you said you'd be? When will it all be made right? Well, Jesus is our prince of peace. But see, our definitions of peace make our expectations incorrect. Because again, our expectations have to be based on truth. They have to be based on things that will bring us true hope, not a false hope that we are looking toward. Because Jesus is the prince of shalom. That's the, peace, or that's the Hebrew word for peace. And shalom means a lot more than what our definition is. Shalom means completeness. Wholeness, soundness, welfare. Yes, it means peace, but it means safety, quiet, tranquility, contentment, and fellowship with God. It goes beyond the absence of conflict and refers to a state of flourishing, flourishing and prosperity in all aspects of life. Physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual. A flourishing. How long has it felt like you flourished in your life? I'll just tell you, for me, it's been a long time since I felt like I've flourished. It's only in the moments where I have rested in my Savior that I have felt true shalom. Because Jesus, as the Prince of Shalom, offers us a restoration of how things were meant to be. See, peace is not the absence of war or conflict. In fact, it's not the absence of anything. Peace is the presence of a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is our Prince of Peace. See, this child announced by the angels to the shepherds would change their lives. He would change Mary and Joseph's lives. He would change the people of the promise, the people of Israel. And he has come to change your life this morning. He has come to change your life. See, Jesus would live a perfect life. He would live a perfect life as our example 
Because none of us lived that life. None of us lived the perfect life. But he lived it as our example of what it looks like to have a relationship with God. And he would become our sacrifice for our sin. He came for us. That's why it says, unto you is born this day a city. Unto you is born. And for unto us. This child was born for us. Because none of us can reach up to God by ourselves. There's not one of us that can. He came for us to give us the opportunity to restore that relationship with God, to restore true shalom and truly be our prince of peace. See, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. All doesn't have any other definition. Every single one of us in this room, including this guy speaking probably more than some of you here, we have all sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages or the payment of sin is death. Because it separates us from God. Sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. And our punishment for sin is death. If we go before a court of law, we stand guilty and convicted of sin before God. And you think, well, I'm a good person. The Bible tells us that none of us are good. No, not one. There's none of us that understands. There's no, not one that seeks God. See, we live in a culture that wants to say, you are enough. My friend, if you're enough and you don't feel enough, then how can you have any hope? If you're the one that has to be enough and you know you're not, all the responsibility is on you to fix it. But here's the deal. Because I'm not enough, I have a Savior that is. And he fills me and he strengthens me and he lets me live my life to be the father I need to be, to be the husband I need to be. Not that I even need to be, that I want to be. Because I can't do it on my own. For the wages of sin is death, but I've always thought about, I've said this to a lot of people before, I've always wanted to do a sermon series on the, on the great buts of scripture. <laughs> because there's all kinds of but God. It's all over. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. We, have, we can have eternal life through Jesus. But it's about him because he's our prince of peace. Romans 5, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows, for us, shows his love for us than this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it can't be of works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one could boast. See, the prophecy of this Prince of Peace, he would talk about and establish this peace. And Isaiah 9, 7, it says, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. See, when we find peace in Christ, it doesn't end. And how is it going to be accomplished? It's the last line of this verse. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You want to know who the Lord of hosts is? It's Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That is the name of Christ in the Old Testament. The zeal of the Lord of hosts accomplishes this. And the offer of this peace continues to this day, and it's never going to end. It never ends. See, his love for his people, his love for you, sent him to the cross to pay a debt I couldn't pay so that I could have eternal life with God. 
And his zeal completed his plan of salvation. So I have a question for you this morning that we all need to consider. Is Jesus your Prince of Peace this Christmas? Is he your Prince of Peace this Christmas? Because that good news of great joy that the angels spoke of is the Prince of Peace. He is Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. And the peace that we long for is found in Jesus. Remember, peace is not the absence of any of strife or wars. It is the presence and the power of God in your life. That is what peace is. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if your expectations are being met. I don't know if you're struggling because of your unmet expectations this morning. But the way that Jesus is your peace is by making him your hope. We have to take a step back and take a look at our expectations and go, what am I really hoping in? For many of us in this room, we're hoping in family. We're hoping in finances. We're hoping in medicine to heal somebody because somebody we're we're saying, I mean, our hope is there. Not that we should, I'm not saying we don't go to doctors, but we're putting more hope in medicine. Where's your hope today? That could be why your expectations have failed you for so long. Because let me tell you, when your hope is in Christ and you know him, he does not fail you. He will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Jesus accomplished this for us. He was born for you and offers you forgiveness from sin that has separated you from him. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty accomplished this. He died in your place. See, in our sinful state, we are enemies of God. If you don't know Jesus this morning, the Bible does not pull any punches. It tells us that we are an enemy of God. We stand convicted. But in Romans 5 eight, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is our hope of eternal life. And because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. It's a deep abiding peace that's in our hearts, that, that's between our hearts and our creator that can never be taken away. And the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus' being the Prince of Peace is his death, burial, and resurrection for you and for me. And so if you don't know Jesus today, you can call on him where you sit. I don't know where you're at this morning. But the message of Christmas starts at a manger. And it ends, well, it continues at the cross. And it doesn't even stop at the cross. It goes to an empty tomb because that baby born in the manger who died is alive today. My friend, maybe you've heard this message a lot. Maybe you're going, Pastor, I just wish you'd stop talking. That's okay. I get that a lot. But I want you to know something. You are more loved than you could ever imagine. God doesn't hate you. He hasn't forsaken you. You haven't gone too far. You may think you've done way too much for God to forgive you. That is, couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus died for every wrong thing we've done because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But he doesn't force himself on you. 
all of us have a choice to make when it comes to Jesus. And our God loves us so much that he'll let us make the choice. If we don't want him, he'll say, okay, you don't have to have me. But can I just tell you what God's word says? If we're going to bear that, if we're going to say we don't want God, then it's your responsibility to save yourself. And that's impossible. God offers you a gift, the best gift at Christmas. And that's himself, the Prince of Peace. Will you come to him today? You come to him by calling on the name of Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You believe that he is who he says he is. He's the son of God. And that he did what he said he did. He died and he rose from the dead on the third day. And you ask for forgiveness and you will be saved right where you sit. There is a special word you say. I'm not going to say repeat after me because it's not about a mantra. It's about what you believe in your heart. Will you come to Jesus today? Christ follower who's been walking afar off. Can I remind you that he is the prince of peace today? Can you be reminded today that in the middle of all the stuff that you think has gone wrong, the things that maybe you've done that has made God angry, he's not mad at you. He misses you. He wants you back, and he's waiting like the prodigal's father's son, or prodigal son's father on that hill, waiting to wrap you up in his arms. If you just come home, stop running from what you know is true. Stop running from God and come back. He'll welcome you in. It's not about religion. It's not about attending church. It's not about doing all the right things. It's about loving Jesus for who he is. Come home to the Prince of Peace and he will welcome you with open arms. Is Jesus your Prince of Peace this Christmas? If he's not, call on his name. If there's anybody who has questions about that, text that 97,000, text River Connect to that word, to, to that number, 97,000. I would love to speak with you today. I'll even come over to your house on Christmas if you want me to come over if it's talking about Jesus. Because you are loved so deeply. If you can walk away with anything this morning, you gotta remember that. I don't care where you are this morning, you're loved loved by the baby in the manger who went to the cross who rose from the dead and is now our Prince of Peace is Jesus your Prince of Peace today let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for your love for us we thank you for how amazing your love is and God this morning I just pray that we would truly take stock of what the answer to that question is for us. Are you our Prince of Peace today? If you're not, and if you've never been, God, I pray that those that don't know you this morning would call on your name and be saved where they are and have their sins forgiven. God, for those who've been walking away from God, I pray that today might be the day that they hear your voice calling their name and that they would run back to your arms, God. That would be about coming back to you. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time that we can remember that you came on a silent night 2,000 years ago. Well, parts of it were silent. But God, we thank you that you came. And so we want to carry your light everywhere we go. 
I pray that we'd be reminded that you are Prince of Peace. You're the wonderful counselor. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. And you are the Prince of Peace. You are the Savior born for us. Thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Thank you.